Hey, this is Dave Pryor. We are at the end of day two here at Agile 2019. We've been doing interviews in the booth all week long with speakers and thought leaders and other folks that are helping bringing change to the world of work. Eric Rappin is here. I really want to say it the fancy way. Say it the fancy way. Rappin. There we go. I can't do that. All right. <laughs> but I'm American, so, you know, we say okay. Rappin. All right. Rappin. Eric B. Rappin. Um, so your coach, your certified scrum trainer. Yep. And we're going to talk about retrospectives. Yep. And retrospectives are something you're supposed to be doing all the time. And if you're not doing them, you've kind of abandoned Agile in its entirety. But many people who are doing them aren't doing them very well. No, that is for sure. So what's your biggest concern about retrospectives? Um, usually if I bring it up to people, like I do a lot of scrum trainings yeah. and I'll talk about retrospectives in there and they will ask me to elaborate a little bit. What do you mean you have to design them what and facilitate them? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you have to put some work into them. Okay, so I've never even thought of them this way. When you say design them, what do you mean? Well, you have to design the interactions. So if you've got, well, let's go to what most common complaints are, right? Okay. Like, oh, people don't talk. Same stuff every time. We talk about the same things all the time. The yeah. same people talk every time. And we're always talking about the same problems. And we okay. never fix them. Right. So then what ends up happening is, is you squeeze the retrospective down as small as you can get away with until, like, for example, I was sometimes as a coach, you know, they invite me to observe a meeting and then give feedback after. And um, I, there was a client that had a 10-minute retrospective. The Scrum Master spoke the whole time. Oh. And I didn't see any concrete actions coming out of that. Wow. Um, and so you think, well, yeah, of course not, because nobody else was engaged. Yeah. So the design is knowing who your team is okay. and what kinds of issues are going on and how much trust there is. Okay. You put some effort into how that interaction is going to take place. Okay. So if you have people who don't normally talk, then you find activities, methods to get them to, you know, engage more. So okay. like silent writing or... Well, that's, I was going to say, you're know, not going to... So I know some people that require everyone to talk in their retrospective. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I, I think... Any kind of coercion is going to give you, you know, shut down behaviors. Yeah, People or start bad data. To sh or bad data. Or they'll just tell you what they think you want to hear. And right. You don't get anywhere. You don't really get into the real problems. Um, I've had people say, well, you know, we kind of fixed everything, so we didn't need them anymore. And I'm like, um, well, I, you know, that would be awesome if that were true. <laughs> yeah, we're agile enough that we <laughs> don't have I'm, to I'm fix anything. I'm having some doubts about whether that's true. Because okay. uh, we're human, and we're always looking for ways to improve, if you okay. are willing to. So I had a great experience, though, uh, when I was at Adobe. Um, and it was sometimes people invite me and say, hey, can you come and facilitate a retrospective? Right. I want to participate, and I want to be separate. And that's the other key part is, besides design, is the facilitation of it. Okay. And that's a really hard skill to develop, really but, effectively but facilitate. But don't you think that that's the Scrum Master's responsibility? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And they are the first, although anybody can do it. And okay. I think a good, healthy team would rotate that responsibility mm -hmm. around. I think it would be useful if everybody was okay develop with that. the skills to, yeah. and we're willing to do it. Okay. I would never coerce someone to do it. Same reason you don't want to coerce somebody to be a scrum master. Or to do mm -hmm. agile. Or to any kind of coercion. Yeah. And, you know, it's like people, that just builds resistance. Yeah. So I got invited, you know, hey, will you come facilitate? So it was a group of consultants uh, all on the East Coast. Uh, okay. In fact, I did, the, did it in Alexandria, not too far from here. Okay. And they all lived in various places around the East Coast. They all flew in. And the reason they brought me in, and this is unusual, usually when I get asked to do this, right. it's usually not a good thing. It's usually there's something yeah. really going I bad. Mean, I, I, there's only one time that I asked someone else to do a re lead a retrospective for me, and it was because stuff was so broken we couldn't figure out how to fix it. So these guys invited me in because uh, things had gone really well. Oh. 
And because they're consultants and they often are forming teams around projects as opposed yeah. to forming work around the teams, you know, um, it's just sort of the nature of consulting work. At least that's how it's usually structured. Yeah. Um, these guys were wondering what was it that made this project wildly successful? Six okay. months project. I think there were probably seven or eight people on the team. Right. Um, and so we did four hours. So I said, all right, we're going to talk about a six-month period. The design needs to cover a bigger chunk of time. Okay. So your retrospective should always be proportional to the time span we're discussing right. and the number of people in the room. Okay. And so we allocated four hours. I came in, and they invited – this was really interesting. They invited their management to sit in the back and just watch. That seems unsound. It seemed unsafe to me yeah, that, that's what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. absolutely and, uh, just to explain why if you create just to see if we're on the same page here it's a private space just for the team to air whatever they have to air hopefully in a constructive manner figure out what they want to change and figure out how they're going to improve and if you've got management in the room nobody's going to be honest or, yeah, or mean, it's unlikely. They, they tend to minimize the bad and amplify the good because they're trying to impress. Right. And it's nothing sort of inherently evil about it. It's just an inclination that occurs. Yeah. And some people won't open up at all. Okay. Like it's unsafe. So but I these thought this was really... A, an, they had a good time, though. They had a good... They wanted to amplify And they stuff. really wanted the management to learn the lessons they were about to learn. Okay. Because they wanted to discover what was so good about this last six-month project. Okay. So I had this four-hour design. I can't even remember what the activities were, but we did a whole bunch of stuff to kind of tease through helping them. And that's the facilitation, right? I mean, what does it mean to facilitate? To make easy. Okay. Right? Um, and my job there was to help them figure out what, what was going what on. was true for them. Okay. What, what was and what was true and what did they see about it. Okay. And by the end, the conclusion was really amazing. Um, they said that the reason why it was such a successful project is because it was like they were an intact team. Okay. Because I think about three quarters of the group, maybe more, uh, had all worked together on various projects over the past like 10 years. Okay. So even though they weren't always on the same projects together. They knew each other. They had trust. They had trust. They had safety amongst themselves. Okay. They felt comfortable with each other. They knew what to expect from each other, you know, like a team. Yeah. So in a way, it was kind of an interesting message for the consulting group going, you know, I know teaming is hard in those kind of yeah. that, that sort of organization, but there's definitely they and this was all stuff they came up with. This just surfaced during the retro. I think having worked in those kind of organizations with people like that, I think it is really hard. But if you've got the guy that you work with eight months, ago, I mean, once you have that connection, and you know, the person that's coming back doesn't suck and that you can work with them. It it's like a quicker trust, maybe. Yeah, you get there faster. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's the you know it's the it's the old Tuckman curve, right? Yeah. How fast can you get to that performing level? Yeah, and well, if you're a consultant, you really don't have a choice because you you got to find a way to get there fast. It's actually one of the things when I have consultants in my classes, I always appreciate the fact that they tend not to stay in their silo. Yeah, they tend to want to just make things happen and take responsibility for things, which yeah. is you know a great trait for anybody on a team. Yeah. for owning things, right? But um, you know. Uh, Usually what I find is that people might have discovered, oh, you can actually do an activity in a retrospective. So they, they run start, stop, continue. Mm -hmm. Start, stop, continue. And they over run it and over, and over and over again. And then it stops working. Well, you know, um, uh, I learned from Human Systems Dynamics, okay. which is the work of Glenda Aoyang. She's actually here at the conference this week. Okay. Uh, doing a talk with Jeremy Lightsmith, I think, okay. on HSD stuff. Cool. Um, I did her course a few years ago and read her books. And there was a line in there that 
So you talked about, um, if you think about complex systems, um, there's attractors in complex okay. systems, different types of attractors. Um, point attractors like a deadline. Okay. We're all focused on this point. Yeah. Um, and cyclic attractors like Scrum. Okay. It has a pattern to it. It's cyclical, right? And I'm reading along, and I get to this point where it says, cyclic attractors create resistance. And I thought, oh, God, we're screwed. Why? Wait, why, though? (laughs) Because it's the the best analogy I could come up with is, you know, if you took your arm and you rubbed it, Mm -hmm. and you kept doing it, and you kept doing it. Yeah. After a while, the skin on your arm kind of goes numb. Yeah. That's what I think that's like. If you do the same thing over and over. So then I thought about it. I was but, like, but not necessarily the pattern of the, the rhythm of something like Scrum, but it was the same retrospective. It would be like eating the same food every single meal. And so at that point, I realized I'm like, ah, that's why when you run the same retrospective activity yeah. over and over and over again, people learn how to give just enough to get out to of get it. To get it over with, yeah. To get it over with. Because it's, especially if it's not leading to improvement. Yeah. I mean... If you do really good design and really well-facilitated retrospectives right. um, that lead to results, because that's the point, right? Yeah. We're trying to get better. So if it actually is leading to improvement, uh, people enthusiastically show up yeah. and they amp up their participation okay. because it's working for them. Okay. Because in the end, you know, if it's not working for you, you, know, you shouldn't do why it. are we doing it? Okay. <laughs> do you f- One of the things that I, I believe, and, I'm, and I don't know if other people would agree with it, is that in a retro, you obviously want all the things that you just talked about. But I do think that there's a certain amount of, for lack of a more plate word, bitching that has to go on. Oh, absolutely. Because people have to get that out of their systems. But if there is a kind of a fine point where it suddenly becomes unhealthy. Well, that's where the facilitation skill comes in. Okay. Um, I had a great line from the original retrospectives book, Project Retrospectives by Norm Perth. Um, he says... Your job as a facilitator is to facilitate complaint energy and turn it into action. Oh, wow. Okay. So your your job is to somehow navigate through that yeah. till you come Make out the other useful. side with something useful to do okay. that they choose. Okay. Because right? you don't own the content. You own the process. Right. You're just facilitating. Okay. Which is why it's hard if the scrum master is also on the dev team. Yeah. Because now they're not neutral. Right. So I always argue, like, if you're going to be in that kind of environment where your roles are kind of overloaded, um, find a partner. Okay. Partner with another Scrum Master. Have them facilitate yours. Oh, that's good. And you facilitate theirs. That way you can participate in yours and be neutral in theirs. Cool. Okay. Um, One more question about this. Sure. Because they waved the flag thing. Um, Do you have a particular go-to format that you, like you really enjoy you you think provides a lot of value or or even if it's only value for you when i am first doing a retrospective for a team i've never done it for before i i use i have a go-to okay pattern that i like to use one i always start with the prime directive to set the tone so we set the stage that way and then i always like to use something i learned from diana larson called uh frim okay frequency and impact a lot of people do timeline yeah but frim is you you know, you have people write for a couple of minutes what happened during the sprint. Okay. And then you place it on a chart that shows how often it happened and what was the positive or negative impact. Okay. And when you look at that always negative stuff mm-hmm. in the bottom right corner of the chart. Yeah. It's like, so So usually what I do is I step back and say, what is this picture telling you? And they're like, oh, this bottom yeah. right corner looks really bad. I'm like, okay. And then we usually will take those items and move them into another exercise uh, called circles and soup. Okay. Um, 
which is another one I learned from Diana. And that one has a lot to do with what you have control over. Okay. So the center circle is we have direct control over these things. Okay. The inner ring is we have influence on them. And the outer ring is what she calls the soup. You have no control at all. The only thing you can do in the soup is re- decide how to respond to it. Okay. It's, you can be deliberate about your And response. those would be those problems that we just can't fix because they're beyond our control. It's like the culture of your organization. Yeah. Just, just the immovable objects, the forces. And then we'll dot vote, group and dot vote, <coughs> and narrow it down, and then we'll craft a action out okay. of that. And that. That's a kind of a go-to pattern okay. that I like to use, unless I've done it with them before. <laughs> now, I you, always try to mix it up a little bit. Do you automatically change every time, or do you use Not one necessarily. until it stops being valuable? I did that same pattern with a team once. And then they invited me to come back some self, several sprints later, and I decided to repeat it okay. to see, to be How able to compare it. Okay. And it was an interesting thing because in the first round, the center ring was packed full of stuff they could do themselves. Oh, wow. And in fact, the picture was, oh, wow, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can fix. Okay. So I'm like, and the, the energy in the room went up. They were all looking like, our world is terrible. Yeah. You know, we have nothing in our control and management. You and know, then they figured out they, they And then did. they came, they all kind of straightened up. And they're like, ah, oh, we could fix all this stuff. I came back and the middle ring was empty almost. Wow. That's powerful. And everything was out in the influence. And I said, hey, compared to last time, guys, what is this Things telling you? Oh, we better. cleaned house. Yeah. Cool. And now we're ready to push out on the rest of the world. Okay. And I thought that was pretty awesome. So if folks want to get in touch with you. What is the best way to do that? Uh, well, I've got my website, lucidagile.com. Okay. And I'm on Twitter as E.B. Rappin. Okay. And I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Cool. Well, dude, thank you very much. Yeah, so, yeah. one, do your retrospectives. Two, <laughs> if they're not working, change the format. You got you a third it one we can offer them? Uh, learn how to facilitate. Okay. Cool. Thanks, man. This was All right. Yeah, Appreciate you coming by. Yeah.